Welcome to The Working Ant with me, your host and coach, Rami Balut. I'm going to share with you secrets and strategies you only wish you knew years ago to accelerate your career today. This is practical stuff, no fluff. My mission is to create a new generation of leaders that brings out the best in people. This is where passions and profession yield profitability. Welcome to The Working Ant. we will go ahead and get started. And, um, you know, in pure fashion, we will uh, start out with a quote. If thou art pained by any external thing, it is not this thing that disturbs thee, but thy own judgment about it. And it is thy power to wipe out this judgment now. Um, maybe it should be, it is in thy power to wipe out this judgment now by Marcus Aurelius, of course, uh, no surprise there. And today we're gonna be talking about a subject that is quite uh, touchy, quite sensitive to many, difficult at times to understand and attain, but I can promise if you think about it more and more often, you'll find yourselves uh, doing yourself a great service. And that is the following. Let me build up to it. Our inner narrative and inner voice often deceives us. Inside and incubated, it all makes sense. The only person we need to explain this to is ourselves. We comment, critique, criticize, and contain our experiences, principles, and values. Tasked with work and requiring present thought, that inner voice is there to soothe us when we're working on things that we do not find valuable. And that same inner voice is there to tell us to move on and find something better already. And of course, that relates so much to our career transitions, right? When we think about that inner voice, it could be definitely one that soothes us. You know, we're working on things that we just you know, don't find valuable, we just don't like, and it's there and it's telling us, you know what, go through it. It's all right. You can do it. You know, sacrifice now, suffer a little bit now. Don't worry. There's, you know, a time stamp to this very challenging time, right? Uh, there's something beyond this. There's something more meaningful than this, right? It's that same inner voice, of course, that tells us, come on, it's time to move on. Get up, move out. Do something different. You know you can. You know you've got so much potential here. You know you're underutilized. You know you're overworked. You've got to find something else out there that's better. And you know, we shouldn't ignore, by the way, and let's not ignore that that same inner voice can be one of talk-me-downs as equally as it can be one of talk-me-ups, right? And, and in today's session, today's session of The Working Ant, I'm going to focus on the undisturbed social voice, the USV, as I like to call it, uh, with my leadership coaching clients. And this particular form of inner voice is one that I find most difficult to come out. And again, that is the USV, your undisturbed social voice. Okay, This particular voice is one that I find the most difficult and challenging to come out precisely because by definition, it is undisturbed, right? It's called undisturbed. So think of this as, you know, if I can give an analogy here, think of this as a solitary living 
organism of some sort, okay, that has yet to mutate and develop due to the lack of interaction with another living organism, okay? So another living organism or some sort of interaction, it would alter its, its composed state, its composed state, right? So think of it, think of it as that for an analogy, okay? So our, our UIV, right, our undisturbed inner voice or our undisturbed social voice exists in every one of us, right? It may surface, but only when called on, only when asked to deliberately be activated. And I'll explain a little bit about what I mean by that. Because it's like, you know, this is like a mental muscle, right? And so if it's, if it's very rarely ever flexed, it is very difficult to really understand and utilize our undisturbed social voice or undisturbed inner voice, right? When in reality, the progression of our careers are so dependent on it, so dependent on it. So because we all seem to have a form of a undisturbed social voice that, that, that really just is, is in the shadows. It's all in the shadows. Okay. It, it, it totally acts in the shadows. Some of us have become masters of ensuring that it stays dormant, that it stays dormant. And others have mastered selectively sharing it over the course of our lives and our careers. And, you know, I, I often talk about a lot, you know, here at The Working Ant, you know, I talk a lot about uh, professional maturity. And, and much of it has to do with emotional maturity. And now just to be clear here, that this part of maturity, the emotional side of things, has little to do with, with age. Right? And, and we see that actually all the time. You know, this, this idea of emotional maturity here, again, it's very different than just our professional maturity. I talk about professional maturity in that we have to go through a set of experiences in our lives, the ups and downs, the turnarounds, professionally speaking here in particular, that really sort of mold our professional maturity, that give us a level of experience, uh, that give us a level of expertise, aptitude, vocation, specialization, right, that have a lot to do with our overall professional career, our professional accomplishments, our, our, our professional highlights, if you will, our core expertise, all of those play into our professional maturity. And here specifically, I'm talking about our emotional maturity, right? Because many of us, many of us have really experienced emotional maturity or have gone through emotional maturity much faster than others in our careers. Some of us have gone through this you know, very, very early on in our lives, right? And uh, we've had things that have happened to us that, that have rapidly, um, and, and for some of us, even forcefully, that have accelerated this level of emotional maturity. You know, some examples that I could give from my one-on-one -on -one clients is, you know, financial deprivation being one of them. How many people know, how many people do you know, or even for yourselves, that I've gone through some form of financial deprivation growing up. You know, I'm sure you'll find plenty of people that you may know or yourself that have gone through waves of financial deprivation. Um, you know, for the poor college students out there, of course, you know, or, or those of us that have actually experienced that, that level of financial deprivation is a form of emotional maturity, right? That's when we truly, truly get to grow up. And for those of us that have experienced financial deprivation, you know who you are. Um, in the early ages of our lives, of course, that, of course, played a huge part 
in your emotional maturity, knowing how to appreciate, knowing what gratitude truly means. For those of us, you know, that have had to experience a level of insecurity growing up, and I literally mean the insecurity of not having uh, security in your life. There was a uh, interview not too long ago. Um, I don't remember his last name, but he, or actually I do remember his, I remember his first name, the president of Ecuador, I believe, or was it, uh, the, I believe it was Ecuador. And forgive me if it's not Ecuador, it could have been El, El Salvador, I'm not sure. But it was, you know, just recently on the BBC and uh, a young, vibrant individual is 39 years old. His first name is Najib. I think his, his, his forefathers were um, a Palestinian from Bethlehem or something like that in the interview it was basically spoken about. In any event, the reason why I'm mentioning him is because um, he was talking about the two reasons why people would actually leave the country. And that was, number one, you know, economic opportunity that does not actually exist in, in, in its purest form. And then number two, you know, the, the idea of security. Right. And so that level of experiences of people growing up in his country, you know, leads to them seeking out places in the world, uh, the United States being one of them, where there's this idea of economic opportunity and also having some sense of like physical security. So for some of us that have actually gone through that growing up, you know who you are, you also obviously have grown up quite fast, right? There's this level of emotional sort of maturity, you know, that you've experienced early on in your life. You know, here, for example, in the US, uh, many of us have, you know, survived something very, very challenging in our life, right? Very, very challenging in our life. It could be on the financial side, could be on the relationship side, right? It could be on the social side. It could be something, you know, that we have experienced that caused some physical trauma. You know, people that have gone through, you know, accidents, for example, um, or have gone through surgery or have experienced a loved one going through tough times. I mean, coronavirus, of course, this, this year that has passed by has been a huge, huge catalyst for emotional maturity, right? We understanding what we truly value, really getting in touch with ourselves, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, all these things, of course, that have contributed to our emotional maturity. Others, you know, at least speaking about my my one-on-one -on -one clients, a lot of this had to do with a, a cultural aspect of things, which was, you know, demanding this level of expectation and, and discipline and rigor, you know, growing up that really led to this uh, acceleration, this rapid acceleration of emotional maturity. And a part of our professional maturity certainly comes from emotional maturity, but you know they're, they're very, very different. Your emotional maturity definitely is a very core piece of our undisturbed social voice. You know, um, all, all of this, all of this emotional sort of maturity contributes to it. And yet, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room here is that, you know, we are all social creatures. You are a social creature, right? And, uh, and, and, and you have, you know, whether you like this or not, a, a deep desire uh, to be understood. Uh, for those of you that think like, you know, I don't want to be understood, you do. At the very, very minimum, uh, you want to be understood by yourself. So we do have a deep desire as social creatures uh, to be understood. And in order for us to be understood, we have to actually come across as relatable in some way. And I think this is such a huge, huge topic of conversation as it relates to our undisturbed social voice and that, you know, how is it that we are going to be understood when we, we don't even know how to come across 
as relatable. And then, you know, the working ant and our professional careers, we're really trying in many ways, consciously and, 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 and subconsciously, to, to come across as relatable in some way. Because if we can come across as relatable in some way, we may not be fully understood, but at least we're on the path to actually get there. Think about this for a moment. Uh, for those of you that are at work, that are in a really, really great environment, right? An environment that is extremely welcoming. And I'll talk, about, I'll talk about this in just a moment, this idea of having an environment that I like to call welcomed relatability, where you have a manager or a leader or someone on your team that really just creates an environment where there is some level of relatability. I may not agree with you, but I can relate to you. Uh, this can come through empathy. This can come through open vulnerability, right? I may not totally, you know, value what you believe is a core principle of your life, but I can relate to it. I can understand it in some way, but even if I, I don't actually agree with it, right? And so this idea of relatability has a huge, huge, huge direct correlation to our, to our productivity. And as it relates to our undisturbed social voice, which is the core of our conversation here, you know, it can actually surface much easier when we are in an environment of welcomed relatability, right? because we all want, again, to be understood. Our, our undisturbed social voice, uh, our undisturbed inner voice, I call it our social voice because it actually is social, it's much more general here, um, in that it is actually social, can, can totally blossom right? Um, in the most authentic way, when we are in this environment of welcomed relatability, and, be, and it really just comes from our deepest desires to be understood. Where this actually becomes very difficult for so many of my clients is that, you know, if you've been at a place for such a long time, it's so hard to have this undisturbed social voice really surface. It actually takes some time. Um, if you've been doing something that you dislike or is totally misaligned to your values, uh, to your driving forces, to your aspirations, right? It's very, very hard for this to actually come out and surface. It's very hard to be explained. It's very hard to be understood when it can't be explained. And it, it's very, very hard to actually manifest itself in any way if we are not in an environment of welcomed relatability. And, you know, the, the reason why I bring this up is because so many of you and so many of my clients, you know, over the years, you know, truly just want to be understood. Uh, they want to be understood at work. They want to be understood in how it is that what they do is truly valued. Like, do you know what it is that I'm doing day after day? Do you know how much it contributes to, you know, bottom and top line revenue? Do you know how much it contributes to productivity, to process optimization, to cost cutting, you know, to all of these things that, you know, we pride ourselves in with our work. And yet we find it to be very, very difficult at times to even, you know, get through this first step of being recognized for what it is that we do when our undisturbed social voice is unable to come out. And so it's no wonder that I advise so many of you to really document your expectations. Right? When we document the expectations that our team, that our managers um, have of us, it's much easier for us to then open up and talk through these expectations by surfacing our undisturbed social voice. In this case, it does in, in fact surface. And we start talking about not just what we do, but how we feel about what we do, the reflection of what it is that we do, right? For those of you that are actively interviewing, 
one thing that is really, really, really just, um, it's a shame almost that so many companies are not able to actually disclose this to their clients. But I truly believe that a lot of your success in an interview is not just your ability to talk about your results. And by the way, and this is this goes to performance reviews and your at your work today. It's not just your ability to talk about your results. It's not just your ability to talk about how it is you sort of um, came to achieve these results, but it's the reflection your personal reflection of these results that really, really, really contributes to relatability. And the only way you can really surface this reflection is, you know, by activating your undisturbed social voice. It's really just coming out and saying, hey, you know, I've been doing all these things, but let me tell you how I feel about it. You know, let me tell you how I feel about achieving this. Let me tell you how I feel about the result we actually achieved or the, the unintended outcome that came out as a result of this. Right. This idea of surfacing our undisturbed social voice is huge, huge, huge dividends, right? Huge dividends as it relates to our relatability. And this relatability, of course, very much is attached to our likability. Right. And then it plays a huge role in the progression of our professional careers internally and in interviews. Um, and so, you know, I'm often asked, you know, at least in consultations, like, you know, how do you know? You're in, a, you're in a place like this. How, how do I know that I'm in a place of welcomed relatability? And well, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, you can start out by asking yourself, you know, can I actually be vulnerable in my work? Can, can I be vulnerable at my work rather? Do I feel that I am supported? Do I feel in some way understood? Is this uniqueness about my personality welcomed and celebrated? Right. And this has a lot to do with whether or not, you know, your companies actually support diversity, inclusion and belonging. Right. That's a huge, huge, huge part of it. And, you know, for those of you that are actually actively interviewing in your transitions, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, are the questions that I'm being asked indicative of the sort of culture that I'm going to be a part of? Are the questions being asked really allowing me to express the true value add that I would bring to a company? And it happens time and time again. Um, and shamefully so that the questions are not. And so a lot of, you know, for those of you that have taken my programs, a lot of the work that we actually do is to ensure that, you know, we may not be asked these particular questions directly, but we can actually frame the conversation so people are encouraged to ask us the questions we want to be asked and, and in many ways being able to talk about or drip in different ways. Some of the responses we would have loved to have given had we been asked these questions you know, from the get-go. And so this is sort of this idea of, you know, again, welcomed relatability that really allows us to surface our undisturbed social voice. You know, in our, in our day-to-day work again here, you know, I talk about this a lot and that it's, it's very much impacted by our productivity and vice versa. If we are in a place where we have welcomed relatability, where our undisturbed social voice is no longer undisturbed, but right? it actually surfaces, right? It transcends and becomes, you know, something that we can feel comfortable speaking about. You know, it has a direct impact to our productivity, direct impact to our productivity. By the way, our mental and emotional productivity included. It's not just the products of our work. It's not just the quality of our work. It's indirectly linked to this idea of our welcomed relatability, our welcomed relatability that allows our undisturbed social voice to finally surface, actually come up. And it's almost like it's almost like plankton coming up from the ocean and surfacing up, 
You know, and it's one of the most beautiful things, right? It's one of the beautiful things where our undisturbed social voice can be nurtured and supported and encouraged, right, to emerge. And so, you know, I'm asking you today, um, if you don't do this already or you don't have this level of support already, that, you know, make this a must, right, to find someone to share this with in a professional setting. And a really, really great person to do this with is a mentor in your industry. Find someone whose career progression is five to 10 years out from your own and find this person and actually, I, and I hope you can, you know, find, find a way to contribute to their lives as well. And what it is that they're doing, don't just make this like a one omnidirectional sort of conversation, but find a mentor that can give you some insights into how your career can actually flourish. It, it could be a coach, but in many cases, in this particular instance, you know, I would encourage a mentor, someone who really, really knows your industry. If you find it, you know, you, you can't find someone like that. If you actually just want someone to surface your undisturbed social voice, yeah, of course, you know, you, you, you can look for a coach here, but mentors do a really, really great job in your workplace if possible. And if not, then obviously someone in your industry. And how is it that you actually can find someone? Well, you've, you've got to communicate to people in your network that you're looking for one. You got to get over that, of course, you know, this ability of, of not being able to share that you're looking for someone. And often, more often than not, by the way, people that actually do share this will always have someone come back and say, hey, did you find someone? I'm looking for someone as well. Or how was your experience with that? Because I said, I would love to know as well. You know, but, it, going beyond just this at work and obviously it's extremely important but how do we do this in an actual like interview itself right? how can we create an environment of welcomed relatability where our undisturbed social voice can in fact surface in an interview you know this is where i really want you to think about crafting a narrative um, crafting a story it's no wonder why storytelling is so important right crafting a story that allows others to see a window into your undisturbed social voice and it's, it's imperative that we actually do that. You know, it's like, you know, in my program, I say, you know, there's no real crystal ball as it relates to career transition, but, you know, asking the right questions, sharing the right information, and then noticing the sort of reaction gives a very strong indication over what our day-to-day -day is going to look like, what our time with our company is going to look like, should we then accept this offer? Um, and it's very, very important that we actually do that. It's very important that we actually do that. It's very important that we actually craft this narrative and craft this story. And, you know, based on the reactions of those we're sharing it with, it's very, very clear in many ways, you know, how this is going to be, well, let's just say accepted, right? Uh, when we do, when we do start our new role. And if, you know, by the way, in an interview, they, they, you know, they do not for any reason welcome this or accept this or show appreciation for this or even encouragement for this, well, then it's really not the right place for you. You know, I had a client not too long ago. This is a very nice sort of like use case to share. I had a client not too long ago that was working with me one-on-one -on -one who has, in fact, been with his company uh, for about 16 years, 16 years. What was really challenging for him was to really sort of express all this value that is actually added within this company over the course of 16 years. And you can imagine if you've been with the company for that long, I mean, you've experienced so much at this company 
And so, you know, having to talk about just one company in the interview is actually quite challenging. For those of you who've been with the company for quite some time, you'll find that it's quite challenging. You'll find like, you know, am I, should I position myself as a generalist? Should I position myself as a specialist? But overall, because we're not gonna get into that today, you know, how can I really communicate, you know, the value that I actually add and who it is that I actually am? Um, especially when explaining why I've been with the company for so long. So this undisturbed social voice, you know, all, has all these spotlights on it. And what we choose to say, um, you know, becomes very, very selective in nature as we're crafting out a story over why we want to suddenly make a career transition suddenly because for some people it's like, why now after 16 years? What happened, right? You know, make that transition for ourselves. In this particular instance, this client of mine really wanted to move out from a very bureaucratic, institutional-like organization, company, and into one that was much more, let's just say, startup-like, very, very agile-like. Uh, you know, rapidly changing a lot of sort of a lot more demanding than, you know, his current company was. And so in his first interview, it simply just did not work out. You know, uh, he, he had interviewed um, it actually was a, a successful interview. And in fact, they actually truly liked him, but they just couldn't find something that was aligned to him. And so, you know, the feedback that we finally uh, received was, you know, we just couldn't find a role that was really aligned to you. His undisturbed social voice prior to getting into this interview was, you know, am I going to be accepted anyways? Is there any hope for me? Um, you know, what's going to happen, you know, when I apply to these companies and I am not accepted? Um, is, it, is, it, is it indicative of my age? Is it indicative over, you know, the, the time that I spent with my company, the value that I'm actually adding, you know, the, the future value, I'd, my, the future ROI of having someone like me join an organization and a team? All of these things play a, play a very, very large role here. But, you know, this idea of the undisturbed social voice sort of coming out uh, finally was one of, you know, if I'm going to be a part of a company, I, I need to be aligned. And that's the most important thing. So whether it's the forces of the universe telling me that, you know, this is not the right role for me, or, you know, if it's just me starting to practice and do things that very much, you know, are, are triggered to align myself with an actual opportunity, that's what I really want to capitalize on. That's my undeserved social voice coming out. So what ended up happening was, um, he did in fact get an offer with a company actually that, you know, wasn't the extreme polar opposite of what he was targeting, but somewhere in the middle here. And his undisturbed social voice, when it surfaced in this welcome sort of relatability environment that we crafted with one another, it was, you know, listen, I understand there are a lot of questions over why I'm choosing to leave my career and transition at this point in time after 16 years being with an organization. And I'll tell you what, I know that it's a long time. I know a lot of people look at this and say, you know what, what has he been doing for the last 16 years? Well, here's what I've been doing. And here's why I've stayed. And here's the reason why I'm choosing to transition. And here's the company that I'm actually looking for. And here's what I really, truly believe I'm going to be able to add value over. And here's where I think some challenges are going to be. But here's what I think I actually can do once I get past these challenges. This undisturbed social voice, you know, surfaced and was crafted in a story that was just beautiful. And it was just actually quite palatable to others that really appreciated someone like this. Someone that could really come in and give that sort of structure, that sort of balance to an organization that was, you know, hyper agile in this particular case. So in this in this particular in this particular use case of a client of mine, you know, it was really trying to come up with a narrative uh, that just made sense. One that uh, was almost like put at peace 
right, when it went spoken. And if it was to be rejected and passed up upon, which it was, um, it wasn't one where it was like, you know, directly correlated to someone's value. No, in fact, it actually became something like, you know, there is a place. That's that, that, that soothing voice we mentioned early on. There is a place for me. Um, and there is a place for you. I'm speaking to you directly right now. There is a place for you. You know, this is not some never, never land like Wizard of Oz sort of type of thing. Um, it actually does exist. But the only way it really is going to exist is if your undisturbed social voice is surfaced and we start having these conversations. And yes, and that does mean that we do get passed up upon. And that does mean that we do get rejected. And that does mean that, you know, we will be speaking to people that will be looking at us completely confused over why it is we choose to share particular things about us. But I do believe there are people out there that welcome, encourage, and accept you for who it is that you are. But, you know, these people are not going to be knocking on your doors, by the way. Uh, these are the people that you're going to be going out and seeking for yourself. You know, even for my clients, by the way, that have actually made that transition into their current role, they feel this is actually quite suppressed in many many ways, right? It's like I was hired for something and I'm finding out all these new things about you know, this organization or what it's going to take for me to be successful. How on earth am I gonna share this with the people that actually hired me? Uh, because they obviously want results. They hired me for those results. How are they gonna hire me? Uh, how, how are they going to take it? Knowing that they hired me to produce when in fact, you know, I have to mention these things very, very early on in order for them to actually really accept why I may not be achieving the results they, in, in the time frame that they actually anticipated was going to take place. It's difficult, right? And this relatability aspect becomes in question here. But a really, really great environment with welcomed relatability would allow this person to really start communicating this in a way that, you know, yes, is an ask for help but ask for help for the right reasons in the short term so that the long term can actually be achieved, which is why they were hired to begin with. And then lastly, I'll just mention, you know, a client of mine that I worked with that had a lot of difficulty surfacing this undisturbed social voice because, you know, for him, it was like he was the one that got away in his life. He was the one that uh, really just came out of poverty, came out of very dire circumstances and, um, you know, it's just, it's just, he just felt he was the one that got away and he felt like he was extremely privileged and lucky to have lived the life that he had lived, that he found it to be so difficult to actually bring that up in conversations. He wanted to be a mentor. He wanted to be a coach. He wanted to actually do exceptionally well in his career. He found himself doing so well, like, you know, I was the one that got away. I was so lucky um, that it was just so hard for him to have this very... Um, difficult conversation with others that really weren't able to overcome some of the challenges that he overcame. And this actually, from a psychological perspective, um, happens to some of us, like where some of us are just truly just so blessed. We have found so much success. We were the ones that got away. We were the ones that really, it was like, um, it reminds me of Charlotte's Web almost. And for those of you that haven't read that book, you know, it's like, you know, this, you know, the, the, the runt that actually, you know, became um, the, the, the prize of the farm, you know, against all odds, right? You know, for some of you that have taken my program, it's like this idea of, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, the meat cow, you know, becoming a milk cow, you know, it sounds actually quite interesting. Uh, it's because it actually is, right? It's like the one that got away, you know, the, the cow that was actually, you know, going to get up for slaughter, you know, found a way 
to instead becoming a instead of becoming a meat cow, becoming a milk cow, and, and finally you know surviving. You know, it it, it it's that right, and, and and that is actually quite difficult because you know how do I then explain that to others that weren't so lucky? And again, this undisturbed social voice becomes ever so important to share in a very uh, selective way, in a way that can be appreciated, encouraged, and understood. You know, even if you know there's a situation like this. So you can you can see here just based on these three different sorts of clients and narratives that you know th there's a lot here that can play into bringing and surfacing up our undisturbed social voice. Of course, the reason why I bring this up today is because it's so important that it is surfaced. It's so important that it doesn't remain dormant for so long. You know, when we have those friends, those people in our lives that we can just connect with and speak with just so freely because we're so accepted, you know, that's probably one of the reasons why I feel so blessed to be here in the Bay Area, you know, just because of this sort of like acceptedness. You know, who you are, where you're from, doesn't really matter. You know, you are accepted, especially in the city of San Francisco, uh, which, you know, uh, I absolutely love and adore. I just feel so privileged, of course, to be a part of a city like that um, is precisely because of this reason. You know, but it's that's sort of like welcomed relatability, that welcomed acceptance that I want you to find within yourselves and within others, right, um, as you're, you are relating to these people. Um, and, and as you are relating, of course, to yourself, you've got to find a way to create that environment of welcomed relatability. And it really just goes back again to, you know, the, 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 the exact quote that I mentioned early on uh, from Marcus Aurelius. And, you know, thou art pained by any external thing. It is not this thing that disturbs thee, but thy own judgment about it. And it is in thy power to wipe out this judgment now and that really judgment comes of not just you know yourself but that judgment of of others as well who you may believe have a you know undisturbed you know social voice that is not coming out for whatever reason it's it's on us to create that environment of welcomed relatability and so please 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 think about this think about how you can surface your your usv your undisturbed social voice how you can bring others to surface it for them and in ways that you can do so, you know, in the environment that you're looking to create for yourself. If you've gotten this far in my podcast, I'm hoping that means that you love my coaching content. If you'd like to continue the journey with me on a much deeper, personal and immersive level, please visit my website at bramibalut.com and schedule a 45 minute real talk session with me. You can also enroll my online program at theworkingant.com and join me for five months of weekly live group coaching where you can ask me your questions live in a group coaching setting. Use code PODCAST for an incredible discount at checkout. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Your career fulfillment is so important to me. You deserve nothing less than that. I truly hope you take what we talked about today and use it deliberately, practically, and strategically to accelerate your next career transition conversation, or simply just to nourish your personal and professional life. If you'd like to receive periodic content from me, please visit RamiBalut.com and register for my mailing list by signing up to receive your free ebook, which by the way, is an awesome ebook, if I may say. Until next time, this is your host and coach, Rami Balut, signing off for today's podcast on The Working At. Remember, if not you, then who? If not now, then when?